Welcome to episode 37 of the Encouragers United podcast. American football is considered to be the most popular sport in the United States. Participants and fans enjoy all levels of the game, from professional and college football to high school and youth programs. As of 2012, nearly 1.1 million high school athletes and an additional 70,000 college athletes play the sport of football in the United States annually. The National Football League, the most popular American sports governing body, has the highest average attendance of any professional sports league in the entire world. In its championship game, the Super Bowl, ranks among the most watched sporting events in the world and the league has an annual revenue of $13 billion. Many young men, including me, began our athletic careers playing this great game. And throughout my formative years, I learned invaluable life lessons like teamwork, perseverance, courage, and discipline from a host of great men who were my coaches, and they instilled in me an ethic of integrity, responsibility, passion, and respect. And as I've matured to become a leader in the athletic sector of our society, I believe that sport is this great valuable Trojan horse to capture the attention of young people and teach lessons that will last them long into their adulthood years. I and many other faithful Christian disciples have tried to integrate our faith deeply into the strategy and the execution of our teams and our organizations. Eric Heyman and Joel Penner, both head football coaches at the university level, are successfully creating cultures of honor and strength, leading young men and ultimately their campus communities in a passionate pursuit of God's standard for our life, our conduct, and our relationships. What if God's way of doing athletics, in our case, football in college, what if that version is a better version than what culture's spitting out? You know, what we're supposed to do. What we're saying, this can actually produce fruit on the football team, but it can produce fruit in any aspect of life. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a wonderful treat for you. I would like to introduce you to two of my good friends, uh, Coach Eric Heyman, uh, the head football coach at Olivet Nazarene University, and head coach Joel Penner from Dort College. Guys, hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, Charlie. Thanks, thanks for having us. Great to see you. Charlie, it's awesome to be here. We are officially Dort University as of a year ago. So, oh, my uh, goodness. So sorry. So no worries. Uh, oh, no, no problem. Joel, why don't we start with you? Why don't you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks again, Charlie. Um, Joel Penner, and uh, I'm a bit of a journeyman in small college football. You know, I've had the privilege. Uh, I don't know. I, I Maybe there's a record, but uh, to have coached at five different faith-based um universities and colleges, uh, and I'm not 42 yet, or I'm not 43 yet, sorry, I am 42. Um, and so, yeah, just, just been, been uh, kind of made the small college, uh, Christian college circuit, and um, as a result of that, just had a really tremendous opportunity to work with and for some amazing uh, coaches. Um, you know, Eric is uh, somebody that you'll hear from today who I consider a mentor, and I probably won't uh, reproduce 
a lot of content in this discussion that I didn't learn from him uh, and others along the way. So um, I am married uh, to Emily, my wife, for uh, 18 years now, and I have three kids ages 12, 10, and 8. So yeah, we are here at Dort University. We're in Sioux Center, Iowa, and it's truly a destination. You would not, uh, you'd have to go out of your way to get here, but once you're here, you'd sure be glad that you did. So um, just having the time of our lives um, uh, at this institution and in this community and just really thankful. Um, yeah, thankful that God has kind of brought brought uh, our family through the things that we've been through. And, uh, you know, Charlie, our history is one that I look back with great fondness, even though uh, we had a lot of really hard scenarios that we went through together. Um, but it's I would not be the person I am today had I not... Um, you know, been at Malone with you there for those four years. And so great to catch up and thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. So Joel, tell us the schools that you have worked at along your journey there. Okay. So I graduated and began my coaching career at Trinity International University. And that's where uh, I came in here was um, on staff and a big influence for me. I worked briefly at Pacific Lutheran University, which is Hall of Fame coach Frosty Westering, uh, who has now passed, but um you know, ninth all-time in college football and wins, but uh, known mostly for how he uh, really revolutionized, was ahead of his time in in just coaching philosophy and how to bring biblical yes. principles. Uh, and then I was at Greenville University. Um, Eric actually hired me there uh, to, to be the offensive coordinator there. Um, and then I was at Malone University, or excuse me, Northwestern College, which is ironically – 10 minutes away from where I'm sitting now and is our rival school. Wow. So yeah. That was providential for me to, yeah, it's neat how, to, how the Lord works. I, I got to know people here at Dort because I live 10 minutes from here at that other uh, season of life. And then uh, like we've already talked about four years at Malone before I got the call to be the head coach here at Dort. That's awesome. Coach Heyman, why don't you do the same? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Awesome. So, uh, start my family. I'm, I'm married for 19 years. I have uh, two boys, uh, 14 and 12. So we're in a, a really sweet spot in life. Uh, we'll have our 19th wedding anniversary next week. We're pretty excited about that. I've, my story is very similar to Joel's story is that I've been to multiple Christian universities around the Midwest. I haven't gone to the upper Midwest, uh, yet. So just waiting for Joel's phone call for me to come up the, the door. So he hasn't called me yet, so we'll, we'll figure that one out. But uh, so I've worked at uh, Taylor University. Uh, that was my start. I uh, went to Trinity. I worked with a guy by the name Andy Lambert, who was a really good friend and mentor to me. Uh, uh, then I went to Greenville, Malone, and now uh, Olivet. The, I was just thinking about Joel's roots, his, and my roots are exactly the same. So Andy Lambert, and then from a distance, Frosty Westring. I learned a lot from. Uh, through another a gentleman named Scotty Kessler, who uh, introduced that philosophy to me, um, uh, it's been it's been good to see those roots develop into the the tree, right? And so, what's been cool to see is, is Joel's tree looks different than Frosty's and mine, and in in a good way, in, yeah. in, a, in a profound way, actually. So, I think that that's been uh, really cool to see. But so we've been blessed to be in these situations, worked with you, loved working with you. Uh, you're just such a positive, encouraging guy. And, uh, you know, so learned a ton through that experience. And so we're here at Olivet. We feel like we're doing something special. And um, 
uh, we're excited to be as well. Yeah. So. Guys, both of you kind of mentioned the coaching trees and, and that was something that um, I guess when I came to my coaching career, I hadn't realized I, I came out of a different sport, a different, you know, a different time perhaps, but I, I, I really respected the, the way that you guys presented the heritage and I, I didn't really understand it until I met you two and kind of figured it out that there is such an influence that we get from mentoring and those that you've worked with uh, and especially you know in football it's, it's you just you blend your life together on a daily basis and that that you know that philosophy of life and the philosophy of, of the game and, and what it really means to us is, is, you know, it is so powerful for uh, mentoring and there's a brand of football. There's a brand of, of philosophy here uh, that you two um, displayed for me that was so memorable and so powerful. Uh, I was just so honored to have you on the staff and to do what we were trying to do together. But I want to, I want to have you kind of explain what that might be or what that is. There's a different, there's a different approach that you guys have uh, to college sport, to college football, particularly. And so would, would one of you like to try to tackle that, explain what the difference is back. You, you mentioned Frosty and kind of this heritage and Scotty Kessler and those guys, um, Andy Lambert, um, I, I would put a guy like Joe Ehrman, Man, many guys, you know, may know of Joe and his work, but what's different about the way you guys are doing football at your, at your institutions than what, you know, maybe another college might be doing. Um, I'll, I think Joel should speak to this, but I, I'll, I'll start it. I, I want to hear him too, but, um, I think it, to me, if I defined it in two ways and I, I think, Fro I think, uh, starting with Frosty, Frosty was a genius. He was ahead of his time and he did two things. He was he integrated faith and football, right? How to, how to live out your faith from a practical value, a value practical perspective and to implement it on the football perspective. And what he created was, so Harvard, I think it was Amy Edmondson, and then Google just came out with a study that the number one perf, uh, uh, characteristic of high-performing teams is this idea of psychological safety. And so he, 30, 40 years ago, created cultures that were housed in values from biblical principles that allowed this teams to have this high level psychological safety, which is a number one trait of a high performing team. And so what psychological safety is, is a willing to take interpersonal risk. It's just, you know, it's not about me commanding you to do this. I'm not a dominator. It's that we love you and love produces great fruit. Yes. And so he knew it because that's what Jesus did. And so therefore he implemented it in football and that was attractive to me. Uh, I was a, a, a young guy at Taylor and I said, I, there's, I had this purpose in my life that I thought I want to coach in this way. And then Kirk Talley, who played for Frosty, who's the head coach at Warner said, Hey, read this book, make the big time. Yeah, I read it. I want to be a part of it. And then through the, the, just the chain of events, I worked for Andy who was connected. And then I actually had an opportunity to go work for Frosty and I actually, I turned it down to work with Andy. And so that I think those two things going back full circle is that he creates an he created an environment that was bigger than football. It was football and more. It was it was about winning and more. It wasn't just about uh, winning. It, it was it, and it wasn't as transactional. It created opportunities to have transformational experiences, and thus they these guys had these unbelievable experiences, relationships, and connections, and um, that's and it reached all the way to even you know, a guy like me who'd never really worked with Frosty. So 
Joel, but I love Fro Joel worked with Frosty, so he can even have a, a more uh, maybe a definitive statement on this as well. So go ahead. Yeah, well, good uh, good setup there for me, Eric. Um, I think at the at the center of all of this, um, what 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 uh, Frosty and others who have influenced me, what what's happened is we've asked this question, whether we said it out loud or not, and the question is, what if God's way of doing athletics, in our case, football in college, what if that version is a better version than what culture spitting out, you know, what we're supposed to do? Um, because I think what, what, what happens a lot with, with believers who are in professions, and it's certainly bigger than coaching, but I think um, public, uh, coaching is so public, right? And so we see so many examples of coaching philosophies out there. Uh, but this could certainly apply in business and in, in any field in education. Um, I'm, I'm a Christian and my faith is important to me, but when I go to work, I have that job to do and I need to do that job. And I, f I just kind of blend in, right? And it's like that Romans 12, one, the conformity idea, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And so I think this coaching tree that, that I come from and, and now I'm, um, hopefully uh, helping contribute to, I think we're asking that question. What if, what if God's version of doing this looks different? And what's, what's fun to see is when you watch Eric lead his teams and when you watch Frosty, I got to see him lead his team. And I was um, coached by a guy, you know, we've mentioned Andy, um, Andy Lambert. We all have our own kind of uh, dialect of, of this language. We have our own version of it because God's created us unique and different in our own way. Um, you know, here at Dort, we call it industry standard and industry standard says we want to set the bar. We want to be a light. We want to be an example. We ought to do things differently. Um, you know, industry leaders really never became the industry leader by doing the copycat thing. Right. And so, you know, we go to our guys constantly and we say, I know that's what you see on Twitter, but is that God's way? I know that's what you see on ESPN. I know that's what your sports heroes do, but is that God's way? And we got to put that, that uh, biblical lens on our, uh, really the things that we, uh, we aspire to, the behaviors, the attitudes that we have before we let the cultural lens make its way on. And so um, I think that's what all of our different uh, versions of this um, you know, in our coaching tree, we've all tried to capture our own flavor of that. And, um, you know, I think, I think we're really, um, we're walking that tension between what is the world's way. And there's some really good stuff. It's not like we need to just rebel against everything. But if, if Christ were to run a, a college football program, what would that program look like? And, uh, you know, there's no specific verse or chapter in the Bible that really sums it up perfectly. But I think there's enough there that if, if we walk by faith and trust God's leading and, and, and uh, depend on him, that, that we'll be able to capture that in our own way. So I think that's the work that we're doing imperfectly. We stumble, at least I do. I know Eric's kind of got things together, but uh, you know, trying to pursue God's best version. And uh, so conversations like this, Charlie, are a lot of fun because I know we'll, we'll all sharpen each other as we, oh, as we talk I love about. it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I follow you both on social media and just your departments and promoting what you're doing. And so it's just been a great journey to see both of you, you know, really settle into your, you know, particular brand, if I could say that, of this 
philosophy, and I love it. Uh, Joel, you've mentioned industry standard. That's the theme. That's the, the sort of the foundational phrase that you're using to remind everybody what you're doing. Eric, do you have a phrase like that? Do you have a, a, yeah. a theme? Yeah. Yeah. So we use gold standard. And yep. so gold standard is this idea of being the best you possibly can. And so uh, be, if you want to be the best in, in life in general, the, the number one thing you got to be the best at is yourself. And so this idea of developing, you know, honoring God, let's be the best at honoring God, let's be the best at the football player, let's be the best from the student perspective, and let's be the best leader that we possibly can be. Uh, if we want to stand on the podium, run the way in such a way to win, right? We may not win all the time, but, but then we want to be the best we possibly can. Now, standard is a measure, and uh, be the standard, live the standard, those type of things. So that's what we our, our, uh, how we hang our hats. So I love guess that's, it. Love it. Thing. Yeah. So. Love it. And, you know, just to give folks that may not know our history, I was the athletic director, uh, at Malone university back in the, you know, the late 2000s, 2008, 2009, uh, we had a transition at our football position and, and, you know, met the, at the time, the current head coach at Greenville, Eric Heyman. And so, uh, shortly after we hired Eric, he brought in, uh, Joel Penner as his offensive coordinator. And the three of us, you know, managed a transition of Malone University's athletic department from the NAIA to the, to the you know, NCAA as a Division II school. And we played uh, five years, uh, basically, in the, the Great Lakes Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, um, arguably one of the, you know, the, the toughest transitions and toughest um, places to try to express something that was distinctive. And I think... Uh, it goes without saying that those of us, you know, who know you guys from that time, you did a great job. And um, it was extremely difficult to do what we were doing, let alone do it under, you know, those conditions. And, and that's not any negative to any institution or leaders or anything. It, it's just really hard to do what you guys are trying to do. And so my next question is, is kind of guide you, what are, what are the biggest hurdles, the toughest things that you think you face now in trying to implement a countercultural philosophy, like you've just both ex explained, countercultural. Um, and what are some of those hurdles? What do you face? Yeah, one comes right to my mind right away, Charlie, and you've you've already alluded to it a little bit. Is you know we're in a in a visible profession as college football coaches, where um, the scoreboard is it's very uh, it's very out there for everyone to see, and in many ways, um, you know, tied to our identity. Um, I remember uh, a, a stretch at Malone. Let's just say we lost a few games in a row. I'll put it nicely. And I was at church, and a, a well-meaning person, friend in the church from across the foyer, like probably 100 people between us, saw me and said, hey, coach, did you win yesterday? And I don't remember how many losses in a row, but I had to say no, and I'm at church, and I – don't want to tell a hundred people that story right now, you know, and, and it's just, it comes with the territory. It's, it's what coaches face. And, and so along with that, we're, you know, imagine, imagine uh, starting a business and saying, Hey, we're going to do this radically different. It's, it's, uh, it's not been proven to work before. And then your first quarter you, you tank, right? Profits are terrible. You're not on projection. Um, maybe those principles are tremendous that you're building your business on. Maybe they're not. Either way, how are you going to convince people that this is the right way to do it if the proof isn't in the pudding? And we just live in this culture or this tension, as I call it, where 
you're you're really only gonna uh, with most peace you're you're only gonna make a believer out of them if you win. And so I, I think you know coaches that want to do football in in what I'm calling God's way or or you know in a biblical way, we have to have a very honest conversation with ourselves, uh, with our administrations who hire us, with our players about where does this pursuit of winning and identity tied to the scoreboard fit in. And it's not as simple as, well, just it's not that important. You know, it's about other things. It's way more complex than that. Um, and I think you ask about a hurdle. I think the hurdle is, is just managing and walking through some of those, some of those difficult uh, cultural battles that we face. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I would agree. I mean, if you think about it, the people that we recruit to, for the most part have probably not been in this type of philosophy. And so they've been ingrained for, let's say they've been playing for eight years and we're going to inherit them and say, Hey, this is a, a different way that we're going to go about it. And uh, I think that that is, you know, so you do a lot of work on the front end recruit to try to hold that and say, Hey, this is, we, it's not, Hey, look at how nice our stuff is. It's like, Hey, this is who we are. If you want to be a part of it, this is what we're going to do. And uh, you know, those people typically know, but, I, you know, Joel talked about these conversations you have with yourself. I have a lot of arguments with myself when it comes to winning. I mean, it's in your head, right? And so, um, because we're coaches, we're, you know, I think there's been a thought at some point and maybe even with some of our mentors that communicated that the, the, the idea of winning would be de-emphasized. And there's no way if you ever talk with Joel that winning is de-emphasized whatsoever. It's just that um, there's a way to go about it that doesn't sell your soul. And there's a way to do it that doesn't uh, run over somebody, theoretically. And there's a guy that, that there's a way to do it that can actually increase your heart and not decrease it. And so um, I think the transactional component of it, that's the Joel Ehrman, right? The transaction versus transformation is uh, the transformational part. Not only can you win and the Frosty proved that, and I think we're proving it and Joel's proving it. And, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, we have great, you know, great relationships. I mean, uh, they're, they're, you know, so I think some of the cultural situations, once you get past the surface, oh, uh, even, um, you know, now you see it, it, start, it, it produces better results long-term, right? So uh, actually high-performing teams that have, the number one trait is psychological safety. Well, what is that? It's, it's really, I care about you. I care about you. I'm also going to hold you accountable. So if I, if I have empathy and accountability, then that's powerful. And so yeah. most coaches are accountability, 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 you know, and uh, uh, task, 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 transaction, transaction, winning, winning, winning at all costs. And we offer a different alternative that I think is, Joel said, it's, you, can't, you can't have a marriage like that. You can't have relationships like that. You can, it doesn't end well. And so – but what we're saying, this can actually produce fruit on the football team, but it can produce fruit in any aspect of life. Go be a CEO in a company, go be uh, a pastor, go be a counselor. You can produce fruit if we do it a certain way. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Well said. And and there's a depth there that, um, I, you know, people have to realize, you know, people, people don't realize, ah, you're just, you're just playing a game. It's just football, right? And, or just baseball or just, you know, basketball, but, you know, talk to me about, we, we've kind of, in my sense, we've talked about how people see it from the outside. Uh, but I think Eric, you bring up a great point is when you've got someone that you're recruiting 
a young man uh, who has done sport in a context, in a way, under a philosophy perhaps that is particularly uh, one way, and you're bringing him into your program, he says, yeah, that sounds really good. I, I think I'd like to do that. Um, and then talk to us about the both of your interactions with student athletes who, you know, like Joel alluded to, and things aren't maybe looking like it's as easy as, you know, what they thought it was going to be. And then they, they start to, they start to turn on you, you know, as the leader, they start to turn on their teammates. They start to fall back into this older mindset. And they're like, you know, cause I, that I, I've even experienced that. I mean, who wouldn't human nature says this isn't working. We didn't win. We're not doing whatever. How do you work with a group of athletes or even an individual who just doesn't get it? And, and, but you know, there's great potential for them and you're trying to love them. You're speaking a language to them. Talk me through that conversation when you've had it. Uh, all right. So uh, the first thing that comes to my mind, Charlie, is my first game as a college football head coach uh, here, here at Dort. Um, you know, when you walk, I, I came into a, a program that had, had not won. And so they had never known uh, on-field success in the eight-year history of the program. And so you kind of had to have a pulse for people to be excited about, ooh, new, new coach, new opportunity, you know. But we played a night game in a huge crowd. We're playing a nationally ranked opponent, and it's a shootout, and we win the game by three points. All right? So I remember standing in front of the team. Players are hugging me. They think I'm like, you know, God's gift to coaching. And I remember standing in front of the team right before I addressed them after that incredible win, which I'll never forget. And I remember thinking to myself, I was 0-10 last year, and I'm about to say the exact same thing that Eric Heyman said after every loss that season, except it's going to be received very differently. And that's, that's human nature. Like you said, you're right. It is, it is human nature to say the world standard for uh, validation and worth, um, you know, success, especially in athletics is very, very simple. And, um, and so, you know, sure. We, we bring in young men uh, who they're light years away from being able to grasp this concept that, uh, you know, um, validation can never come from a God created thing. It has to come the creator. Right. Um, but the, the reality is I don't get it sometimes. Um, I'd like to say I'm, I'm closer than I was, uh, you know, five years ago even, but, uh, I think when we look at our student athletes who are struggling with, with this concept, I, I just have to take a, a posture of humility and say, but remember me last week when I, blew a gasket because we, you know, X, Y, Z, we made a mistake or whatever. And um, because I was feeling shame of people are going to think this or that. Um, and so I, I'm on the same journey that on. I've just, you know, I've just been doing it longer. And so I think our mentor, Scotty Kessler says, we're all, we're all in the same hospital. I've just been here longer than you. I know my way around a little bit better. Um, so I think having patience, um, I think uh, Andy told me one time, Andy Lambert, my coach said, that um, you give and you give and you give and you give and you expect nothing in return. And so even if this message of hope and belief and, and faith that we, that we uh, refer to so often as coaches, even if it's received by, you know, a kid negatively a hundred times, you go that hundred and first time with, with as much enthusiasm and as passion as you did the first and you go with hope and you just trust the Lord, you know, at the end of the day, um, we have to be accountable for the, the, the words we spoke and the way we carried ourselves. Um, 
I think in the long run, what, what you find is there's some that really grab onto it and it's life changing. I mean, I'm an example of that. Um, having the mentors that I did and Eric being one of them, I'm here reproducing this stuff because uh, Eric was uh, you know, involved in my life and consistent in my life. So I think, uh, I think those things just to re- reflect on your own journey and keeping humility in, in check really help you through that. I, I agree with Joel. I mean, why are we here? What are we doing? So our, if, if my why is 100% winning, then I don't, I don't care about the dude, right? Unless he's going to produce. So somehow I'm going to have to manipulate him to produce. But if I'm saying why I'm here, well, I'm here because, uh, you know, uh, whatever you do, do for the glory of the Lord, or, or unless the Lord builds a house, the labor is labor in vain. And then my what is, hey, we're going to develop men. But that's, a, that's basically our mission. And my, the number one mission is that they'd be a leader to, to follow Christ. But the first thing we got to try to do is develop men. It. So I always like to tell our staff, so what were you like when you were 18? Because when I think about when I was 18, that dude is like one of our top dudes compared to who I was when I was 18. So, so it always puts things in perspective because as a coach, I'm 40 years down the road. It's easy for me to say, well, why weren't you on time? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you say this? Why did why don't you perform at this level? That's what I would do if I played it. Yeah, that's easy because I'm four years older. But when I was 18, that dude is like the best guy on our team compared to me. So it's about relationships. So if, if they know that you love them, uh, I think uh, uh, then, you know, I think you can work with them and work through that process and understanding it is a process. And uh, I was going to say the same quote for that Joel said. It wasn't from Lambert. It was from Coach Polinsky who came and spoke to us. Uh, from Bethel. He's an old-time D coordinator from there. And so you give and you give and you expect nothing in return. And uh, there's some truth to that. There's some guys you just – like, I feel like I'm always going to err on grace. Sometimes in this situation, it, you know, there's coaches that say, Coach, and I don't know if we need this guy or whatever. And uh, But I'm kind of a – I'm kind of always going to err on that because there's always the chance for me that that dude can, can develop and grow. So um, – you know, so for example, I had a, a young man that had uh, him and his brother. They did some things. They got kicked out of a game. We had to forfeit the game. It was a JV game, and I was, you know, everyone was saying, "Cut the dude, cut him, and cut this and all this." And I, I heard a story. I could understand there was some racial situation. I could understand probably how maybe this happened. It was unacceptable. So I said, "Hey, here's the fact. You know, what's the perception? What's the intention? And what's the resolution?" That's kind of how I, I my go-to. And it was unbecoming. Uh, and then I said, here's what you're going to have to do to stay on a team. And they did it. They did it. And then he called me. He's from Atlanta, and it's really crazy in Atlanta. And he called me this summer and said, Coach, I can't wait to get up to Bourbon Day. I mean, this is a dude that I almost kicked off the team and, and so forth. So I think that uh, another thing our coaches taught us, the difference between soft-hearted and hard-hearted. If a guy's soft-hearted, then he's always, there's a moldable opportunity. If it's hard-hearted, I think, you, you know, Jesus says, uh, you know, I'll, spit, uh, I'll basically um, don't cast your pearls of pigs. And so hard-hearted guys, we, we probably can get that over a period of time and say, okay, there's a better place for you maybe. But soft-hearted guys, which are majority of the guys, uh, the, we, we spend some time with. Oh, that's awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, well, well said. Um, you know, let me give you a couple minutes each just to tell kind of the state of your programs right now um, and, and what your hopes and dreams are for the future. Maybe not the immediate future. We'll talk about that in a minute here with the virus and, and what you're facing. But just this, the current state of your program 
and and kind of how you feel about the future. I, I can go. Uh, so we inherited a program that hadn't had a winning season in 12 years. So in 98, they had played for a national championship. In a decade plus, they had not had a winning season. So in our second season, we had a winning season. In the last two years, we've played for our side of the conference. So we've had – We've had like eight national champions come out of our conference in the last 15 years, something like that. So um, we're playing in what we feel like is the best conference in the country. Joel's going to think he's in the best conference in the country. And so so our side, we finished second, and uh, our goal is to win that. And we always said, why can't we be, from a football perspective, one game better than the 1998 team, which and one, they played and was a runner-up. So from a football perspective, that's our – that's our idea of our, our vision. So that's been the first meeting from now. Hey, it's about a process. We don't have any arrival date sooner the better, but we don't know that, but we know what it takes to get to that spot, or at least we're going to try to figure that out. So we do that on a day-to-day basis. So I love where we're at. Our culture is as good as it's ever been. Um, our off-season workouts in, in the fall or in the winter, uh, um, they were very motivated because we had lost a conference championship versus a perennial team that wins it. And they were motivated, and their workouts showed that. And then when COVID hit, we had to leave. And then their energy in the, the team meetings, we used Microsoft Teams or Zoom, whatever you want to call it, um, was high level. So, uh, so we feel good about that. Uh, we're young uh, in some positions, but uh, we feel good about the trajectory. In the end, what, what we want from our team is to be successful on the field and off the field. But we want the stuff that we do, the, uh, how we – work out our program, the principles, the, the lifestyle, the, the relational context to impact their lives from a spiritual perspective, from a uh, leadership perspective, from academic perspective and, and job, and then from the football perspective. So, so we want them to, for our four years here, to impact them for the rest of their lives. We say four years for forever. All right. We, we, want, we want that. So we want them to be great husbands. We want to be great fathers, and, uh, you know, we want them to name their kids after each other. So that, that's what we say, and I think we're moving in a great direction. And, uh, you know, whether we have – whatever happens this season, we'll figure it out, and we'll, we'll just – we'll take whatever hill we have to. It's like that that's, that's going to be our – all right. Joel, How about you, Joel? Dort football. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really fun to uh, hear another head coach give the recruiting pitch. So I'm, I'm stealing about all your stuff there. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to get my notes here. <laughs> Uh, technical difficulties over in Berman Air at this point. <laughs> no, um, so I mentioned earlier that I, I took over a program at an incredible school with a, a football program that had just not known on the field success. And so, you know, I would just say there was there was a um, it was it was a defeated room, and it was a room that needed um, more than just this. Hey guys, we're going to work hard and get a little better. Um, I think it's validated the vision of industry standard football here because. I was not coming from a place of confidence. You know, I didn't have, I shared earlier, we had that, that really rough season the last year at Malone where, you know, if I were to come, come and say, Hey, I'm all that and I've achieved this and now I'm going to bring my great stuff here and I'm going to build something incredible. And it was kind of going to be me. Um, I, I wasn't in that place at all. And I'm actually thankful. Um, but I brought this vision that almost sounded like, like, who is this guy? You know, um, I can just tell you, I feel like the Lord, made it clear. Uh, they need to be inspired. They need shock and awe a little bit. They need uh, to be told more than, hey, if you work hard, you'll get a little better. And so when, when I was flying out here to meet the team, I, it just hit me, you know, like, like bricks to say, here's the vision. This is where we're headed. We're going to be the standard setting team in the country. 
at our level. And it, we're, we're going to do that in a way that's going to look different. And um, we've kind of talked about four things these four years that, um, that help us answer that question I posed earlier. What if God's version of football in college looks different than cultures? Um, if, if so, we would honor God in the way that we play. And it wouldn't just be a, you know, say a prayer before a game, look like everybody else, and then uh, go to church on Sunday. You know, we were going to really um, permeate the, the truth of, of God's truth into the way we played in the heat, you know, in the, in the heat of the moments on the field. So honoring God and then building men. Uh, you heard Eric talk about that earlier. Um, you'll never be the same. If you play in our program, you'll never be the same. And the, the friendships, the relationships that you'll come out with um, will be on a level and a depth that um, you won't experience doing anything else. Um, we've talked about our version of competition we call competing fiercely. And I'm telling you what, I just, I've seen competitors unlocked. Um, we call it Expedius. And there's a, a really fun story uh, behind Expedius, but I'll summarize it for you. Um, when there, there was a saint, uh, his name was Saint uh, Expedius, actually, and uh, he was he was uh, at the chopping blocks as a martyr, and he was being asked, uh, "Recant your faith, and you'll save your life." And with no hesitation, and with no "What should I do?" or anything, he said, "I am a Christian," and off went his head, and that was the end of his life. And so the the in church history, the the um, the word. Uh, Ex, ex, expedite kind of through veneration got put through uh, put through culture and because he was so quick and because he was so sure and so efficient with his response we now say you know that's an expedited process or we ship something you know expedited meaning we get it there quickly and confidently with with no encumbrances and no baggage and so we want our players to play expedious football in honor of this great saint um, and that's our version of competition. I think it gives us a competitive advantage when we play. Uh, we have had two back-to-back -back winning seasons, and uh, you know we're now a top 25 program, and we have aspirations to take the next level and and be a playoff team. Um, and uh, you know I think I fully believe that's in the that's in the cards for us. I think this year we've got our best team yet coming back. Um, and so yeah, we're sorting through the COVID stuff. Um, Right now, we have the green light that our season's on, which I'm thrilled for, and I know that we're going to have we're going to have some battles this this fall with things uh, other than just Saturdays. And uh, but uh, feeling really really blessed, Charlie, to be at, uh, in the place that that we're at, um, our program's at. Uh, I think we're scratching the surface. I really have a lot of hope and belief in uh in what's coming for this program that's awesome you know let's talk about the future for small christian colleges in general and again you guys are not your presidents you don't speak for your boards of trustees but as you see the future through the eyes of a head football coach at a small christian liberal arts college what are what are some advice what what, what would you have for students for families that are considering these institutions for you know the advantages uh that that you guys know your your programs and your institutions you know would offer but give us some encouragement on the future of of christian college education okay so uh a couple comments i would i would offer there um i think i want to keep this general and not just specific to a recruiting pitch for for dort but um i i think more than ever uh young high school recruits and their families 
they need to apply the same question I've been asking about our program. You know, what if God's way is actually better than culture's way um, to their college selection? Okay. So what if my best offer I receive may or may not be the highest level school that's out there? What if the best offer that I receive is a, a school that's uh, shown and demonstrated first the ability to transform young, young men and, and women who attended that school? Um, every, every small uh, private institution is going to talk about community and they're going to lead with community. I don't think anyone stands out by saying, hey, we got great community. Um, get on campus, find out, ask questions, get to know people, hear the stories, find out if that's really the case. And, and here at Dort, we've, the Wall Street Journal has put us number one in the country four years in a row in a, in a category called student engagement, which is really the ultimate uh, concept of community. Um, and then the, the next thing I would, I would advise is a school that has a proven track record for placing students, um, graduates in, in employment, in, in, in jobs. And we've had, we've had a 99.7% job placement here at Dort. And uh, that's almost a guarantee of, of employment. And so maybe, maybe a young man's best offer, best opportunity for college is a school where they're going to have a job when they come out, especially in these uncertain times with unemployment being the way it is and our job markets uh, more, more unstable than they've been. What if, what if the best opportunity I could put myself in in my next four years is actually a school that's going to be transformational in the approach and have a great track record of putting us in jobs? And uh, I think both institutions represented in this podcast today could say that that's happening at a high level. I do think there's going to be a, a bit of a thinning process. You know, uh, a lot of schools that maybe were getting near the edge of, is this, is this um, viable, um, you know, to continue? We've seen a number of schools close their doors in college football, even uh, at some institutions saying we're not going to do this anymore. Uh, something that coaches have to think about is, is, is our program revenue producing for the institution? Uh, I know we all want to win and, offer uh, everything we can to our players, but we also have to show viability. And so uh, there has to be, there has to be um, models out there, and I believe there are at multiple levels where a football program is a tremendous asset to the, to the school, both financially and otherwise. And so if you're listening and you're a, a recruit or a family of a, of a young man or, or a gal that's looking at a college, I just offer some of those things as, as things to think about. Yeah, I, I would agree with Joel. So I think the thing that I would, this is what I would tell my own boys. I mean, it, it's my own sons. So this is something like, are you going to, so statistics would say that, uh, you know, the degree will help you get the job, but statistics also say that that's not what, how you lose a job. And so how you lose a job is not being, it's really your uh, other things that you need to develop your emotional challenge, those type of things. I, I think schools like us not endure, not only develop the, the degree, like we're 96% placement in graduate school or employment. Those are, I mean, almost, like Joel said, almost guaranteed a job. In fact, all my engineering majors had jobs before they graduated, every one of them, and since I've been here. So I uh, think that's extremely important for the, the student and the parent. But on the flip side, what school is going to help give you an edge? And, and the edge for me is from on an employment perspective is that you're a great leader. 
and that you understand how to relate with others, and you and you can you can be both positive and demanding. You can bring challenge and you can pour. Um, but also, the, then the third thing, you know, uh, Frosty always talked about the two sides of uh, the how many sides are on our coin, and I always ask the players. I said, "There's two, no heads and tails, right? No, but there's the edge, the edge, right? And so the edge for us too, and the most important thing is a spiritual development. So we're living in a time where cultures seem to be opposing more than ever in my lifetime. And so I would want my sons to go to a school that is going to strengthen a foundation from a spiritual perspective that uh, is going to help last a lifetime. So it's going to build on the things that I have tried to do as a dad and then allow, you know, coaches, mentors, professors to do the same thing and create a, a, a more uh, in a strengthened worldview so that when they go tackle the world, they can be a light, they can be a, they can be the salt, they can be the city on the hill. And so Dort does that, all of it does at high levels. And so so that's what I would I would I would try to think. So yes, a degree in how you can get placed, not just a degree, everyone gets a degree. How you gonna get placed, relational context from a transformational perspective, how are you gonna treat others and train train others? And then three, from a spiritual perspective, how's your heart and your soul strengthened and grown so that you can do the same tough and growing and increasing tough environment. Love it, guys. Listen, I'm going to let you go. This has been such a great uh, conversation. And, you know, I want to let you each kind of let folks know how best to get in touch with you. If we've got families or even recruits or individuals who are interested in connecting with you, how best to get in touch with you, Joel? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, you got the Twitter handle at coach underscore Penner. Um, you've got uh, our university t- uh, Twitter at Dort University. Uh, I, I'll spell Dort because it's often misspelled D-O-R-D-T. Yes. Uh, and then at Dort FB is our football. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously our school website, my email is on there. If people want to reach out that way. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, Twitter's probably the best. So. Uh- Twitter uh, is at Coach Heyman, H-E-H-M-A-N. I always have to spell that. Uh, our, uh, our football one is at Onez, O-N-A-Z, O-N-A-Z football. Um, and then all, the website, all of it, Nazarene, if you just Google that, it's going to take you to our website. And if you want to get a hold of me, go to athletics and football. And, and I'd love to talk to you about any of these type of topics. So Absolutely. Kind of my – wheelhouse. I love talking about this stuff. Absolutely. So do I. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you once again so much and all the best to both of you, your families and your teams and your institutions. You are doing great work. uh, And so keep fighting the good fight. And I love you. And I really appreciate you both. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Encouragers United podcast with me, Charlie Grimes. I would love for you to do me a favor and leave a comment and a rating for this podcast. It means more to me than you know, because that's how people are alerted about the Encouragers United podcast. I invite you to simply let me know how I'm doing, and that refers others to listen as well. I appreciate and read every one of your comments, and I'm trying to make the show better and better each week. For more information and to connect with optimistic, enthusiastic leaders all over the world, be sure to search for Encouragers United on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, or visit my website, 
charlesrgrimes.com. Mm-hmm.